0: Hey, this is Mike Bob, and I'm a guy who used to make things, and sometimes I still do. These days, I prefer making podcasts, and I have a new one called Soundtrack to My Life. On this podcast, I talk to different creative people about the music that shaped them. Sometimes the conversations are funny, and sometimes they're just kind of sweet. I love that Pina Colada song. Yeah, I do. Rihanna has had a huge impact on my songwriting.
1: I'm diving into the ocean, finding that one fish that has toxins, and I'm just drinking those toxins all day. Maybe they're saying, like, you should now go forth and rock. It's like a peace be with you situation. I
0: also have a playlist called F-Gems. one two. (laughs) Just in case. We danced to a jazz version of My Favorite Things. Soundtrack to My Life. It's available exclusive on Spotify. It's a scloosey. I'm going to try to make that word take off. It's a music plus talk show, meaning I can play songs in their entirety. So think of this as an interactive playlist with some of the coolest creative people I know. And you should know, too. Soundtrack to My Life. A Spotify scloosey. Hi, I'm Mike Bobbitt. I am a lot of things. I'm a comedian, I'm a podcaster, I'm a writer, an actor, and a storyteller. But most of all, I'm a dad now. Movies were an important part of my childhood, and I'm hoping they'll be an important part of my kids' childhood, too. So through this podcast, I talked to my friends about movies that were important to them when they grew up, and I also talked to my friends who were parents about their experiences introducing their own kids to movies. This is Movies for Kids. Kids. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever up. Sometimes I wonder if I know it's me. I know it's me. I struggle with depression and it makes incredibly dark thoughts pop into my head. And I've been having this recurring fear lately of losing benji where i I just look at him and i love him so much i just get these fears like man i hope i don't outlive him and stuff like that that that's why i'm talking to you i'm I'm talking to jd marshall you're one of the strongest people i know because you turned an unimaginable negative into something really positive and really good you are a decent and kind human being and i I am so honored to get to be your friend. You experienced the nightmare of parents. Um, you you lost your daughter. I'm getting broken up. <laughs> you do fundraisers in her honor to help other families and other kids that are going through what you guys went through, and um, I am... Um, I hope I never have to see if I have the strength that you have, but you have that strength and (laughs) you need to talk because I'm getting choked up. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, what you're saying there is in the infancy of us starting the website that started everything was uh, a mission of love. Uh, A lot of people that follow us, they kind of tie us more into comedy for cancer as being the charity arm. When in, in reality, that website, the website was created, uh, prior to any of this while it was created with my, me and my daughter created it. And I stay to this day when I, any interview I do, when they say your charity, I'm like, it's not my charity. I, you, I it's our charity, everybody that's part of the board, including yourself. But at the end of the day, if we had to pick one person, and say, yeah, they're responsible for this. It was Stephanie. Stephanie was the one that um, during a conversation at the hospital, basically, I had said to many of the staff there and even the social workers, like I'm talking to social workers that are not parents and they're really can't relate with what we're going through. And I said, you know, it'd be nice if there was some families or a family member that had went through something like this that could kind of coach me on how do I create two separate worlds? Like, I'm not going to tell my son, you know, what's going to happen. Because well, we knew from the di- the date of diagnosis, which was actually uh, December 3rd, 2014, was the exact diagnosis of the tumor, and we were told that there was zero chance of survival, and they were just going to try to extend their life, and on that date, that was 32 years from the day I found my father dead, and so that date now has, uh, you know, a double meaning to it, but I just kept saying it, and I, and I just said at one point, I said, you know, if we just raised awareness that people need, you know, like in my situation, could, you know, have somebody to talk to, it would be great. And I said, you know, just take a website and, you know, so using social media and getting a word out there. And my daughter just jumped in with, well, you know how to build websites, you know, and that's got the ball rolling. And I said, so what do you want it to be? And she told me blue. And I said, okay, what else? (laughs) And she said blue. And she said, you do the rest. Uh, So I remember the year she was born, we went and see Neil Diamond. The second song was A Mission of Love, and he forgot the words. And it made me laugh hysterically. And we knew all the words. And it's like, (laughs) wow, dude, you wrote it. You should know the words. And so that became the title of the website because I always wanted to have an inside joke that at the darkest moment, it would make me laugh and it really was a mission of love because we were doing it together. The day that everything went south for her, it was eight days after she spent 20 minutes with Gabrielle Glacius. The mornings that leads to her going into the coma and the 27 days of hospice, she basically falls trying to get out of the bed to use a porta potty and we help her get up and she at that point had told us she couldn't feel her legs. And we got her back in bed, talked to the doctor, and they said, sort well, of let her rest. And then uh, she started having really bad headaches. And I went up to check on her one time, and the best day of my life song was playing. And she had a way where she wouldn't ask you something. She would point. And I go, oh, what's been the best day of your life? And she's, like, uh, meeting uh, Gabrielle Iglesias. She wouldn't call him Fluffy. Uh-huh. She, she always thought that Fluffy was an insult, even though he calls himself that. Yeah. And so I, of course, said that, you know, after she said that, you know, I was like, well, what was the best day of your life? And I go, well, having you becoming a father. And uh, I told her I love her and I come check on her in a little bit. And uh, that was the last conversation we ever had. How do
0: you find the strength to go on? <laughs> like, I know you have your son and you have your wife. You kind of have no choice, but, man, like, you're not only went on but you turned this into something incredibly selfless that you're giving to all these other families too like how do how did you find that
1: while we were in the hospital we were in hospice we started getting you know hearing about other families and and the website was taking traction and People were contacting us and talking about financial struggles, and we were, we were hearing the stories of people having their vehicles taken, uh, their phones shut off, or they lose their house. You know, we don't live in a, 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 wor- a world with a lot of compassion. That's where it spearheaded the idea for Comedy for Cancer. Uh, Years ago, a friend of mine used to always say this all the time, no matter what bad would happen, he goes, you have to laugh to keep from crying. And I remember her watching, you know, uh, specials, uh, because Gabriel Iglesias had sent her a couple DVDs. When she was in radiation, she would listen to his CDs, and they would tell me that she was the only kid that would laugh during getting her radiation treatment. I never thought when I started this, that I would be going to other kids' funerals. And I always said to myself, try not to get attached. Easier said than done. We gave a gift to one child, Glenn Cabell. It was a gift card for Best Buy, which was right across the street from where we met at a Starbucks. And I'm like, you know, hey, you can go at any time and use your gift card. He's like, no, I'm having a great time talking. And he's like, yeah, are you on Instagram? And he grabs my phone and he friend sets it all up so we're hooked up on instagram and he ends up spending an hour talking to us and then i hear a couple of months later, you know a couple months later he passes away and i got to go to the funeral home and the parents told me that you know he never got to use the gift card but we know how he is he wants to give it to his, we'd want to give it to his friend who is autistic And that was the other thing. It was like they these, these kids, they think about everybody else but their self. They always like, how are you doing? Yeah. And this is the hardest part about running a charity is when you're talking to a kid that's been diagnosed as terminal and they're 12 years old. And to you, they put on a front like this is not even happening. They're not battling cancer. And they tell you stories about 18 and when they're an adult and. In the back of your mind, you're holding back your emotions because it's like, let's try to reach 13. You're in a serious battle. You know, It's when they talk about the things they want to do when they're older, and that's the hardest part. The year before my daughter was diagnosed with cancer, my biggest fear was she was going to turn 18. A couple of boys were going to break her heart, and she was going to leave the state of Michigan to go to school somewhere else. And probably fall in love with the place and maybe move there and it's like I would give anything for that now I look at it this way if it wasn't the the community of comedians like yourself and DJ dangler and Steve Lind and Dave Landau and Mike Stanley and Bob Phillips and Sal D'Amelio and Paulo and you know if I leave somebody out I'm gonna feel horrible but these people run towards the shows It's like the easiest thing I've ever had to book. I used to book professional wrestling and uh, the, the negotiations and, you know, and then I have comedians that like yourself, you never ask for anything to do a show.
0: I can't because the way you do these shows is each one is there for a specific kid or a specific family. And I'm I'm sorry, but I, I'm doing okay, and I would feel like the biggest jerk in the world, the biggest heel yeah. in the world, <laughs> to put it back into wrestling terms for you, if I said, you know what, I'm going to need this $100 for uh, doing something I enjoy doing, more so than this yeah. kid or this family who's battling something that is my biggest fear. So there's no way, there's no way I could ever take money for that. It's such an honor getting to perform. And luckily for me personally, my sense of humor, as vulgar as it is, is right in line with teenage boys. (laughs) So sometimes it was at one of your shows that a friend of one of the kids gave me my first fan art where he drew a cartoon based on Um, goofy riffing i was doing on stage and i still have it you know
1: i um see this and this comes into play with you and dj uh remember we filmed comedy for cancer volume one we did our first dvd and you guys were so cool to say yeah we're cool about doing it and uh you know joe ran to help put it all together but right in front of where you're performing was a group of teenage girls and that table w- was special about that. And now this is going to go full circle from a giggle to, I look at it as a, as a good thing to have. It, it's one of those moments that sometimes I, I be- you know, I don't get into religious and politic talks, but I believe somebody up there knows something and they drive you to do something. And, you know there's been times that i was i was gonna walk away from this and and i was done and it was just and it was it was the emotional toll and the fact that and i have talked to a psychiatrist and it's about not letting my feelings out and you're masquerading it by doing for others because you enjoyed getting your daughter gifts so you replicate that by giving other kids gifts they're like your daughter's first birthday you hold a birthday party for the pediatric unit at royal oak Beaumont. but getting back to that show the girl that we were doing the show for young young lady i guess we can say um she had beaten leukemia on, on a couple occasions unfortunately last i think it was october um she had relapsed was battling again a lot of options for treatment were off the table and her uncle and i became good friends the family all oh, the whole family's good friends they're on our board as well and then you know unfortunately i had to get the text while i was in the store that um tori passed away mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. the young lady you did the show for and by time i got home it mm-hmm. hit me so what i thought was a bad thing that night was the greatest thing that could happen and I got to get them to the family because I had Joe send them to me, and I was going to do it before all, you know, the world shut down. I remembered that that table, she was right there, and she's prominently featured throughout the entire DVD. So the family has this gift that I have to get to oh. them that has their daughter happy, laughing, and when you want memories, those are the memories you want.
0: I um, I, I'm i I've never had done an episode of this um, where I'm ugly crying right now. Every time you're talking, I'm just pulling the microphone away from myself. And um, because we're in a time of quarantine right now, and you and I were talking earlier, uh, your immune system is uh, touchy. So you're definitely not going to be doing fundraisers until it is absolutely safe to App do so, and especially too, because these fundraisers are for kids who their immune systems are going to be compromised too. So, until we can get back out there and do comedy shows to raise money for these kids, how can people donate? What can we do now during the quarantine, JD? How can we? Help?
1: I would say that, um, if you know, if anybody that follows me on Facebook occasionally, I'm going to post something about a family that has a GoFundMe account or something like that. We have suspended our best day gifts in, in, in exchange for that we feel the money needs to go to the families uh that may be out of work right now. Um people that have donated to me you know the charity itself in the past, I now tell them, look, just reroute it. Let's cut out the middle person. Uh, you know, you can send it directly. They can go on missionoflove.com They can click on Donate. Um, there's also the address on the website uh, on the donation page if they want to send a check or money order made out to a Mission of Love. Uh, anybody that requests it, we will give them a receipt for their donation. We're 100% nonprofit. We're in the top 05 nationally uh, i give back more than we earn i think two years ago we spent 103 percent of what we actually put in and uh, you know it's crazy you just forget about getting the change and and I, I don't know if you've noticed that it shows but we do the presentation and we hand the money over to the family and
0: yes and- absolutely and so many larger charities a lot of what's raised goes towards overhead. And goes for, you know, paying employees, yeah. but such a huge percentage of what you raise goes directly
1: back. Oh, it's a it's it's like it's a hundred like the lowest it's been is a hundred and one percent. And it's not a knock on anybody, but there's not a lot of charities and a lot of people that run fundraisers that can say that.
0: Well, JD, I count myself incredibly lucky to get to have you and Valerie as friends and I just, I love you guys to death, and it is such an honor for me on so many levels to get to be one of those people that you're like, hey, you know what? I can count on Bobbitt. Yes. I don't know what I would do without you. I, um, I appreciate you. You make me feel stronger by knowing that someone as strong as you exists in the world, and I just... I am so incredibly lucky to know you.
1: We feel the same way. We we love you to death. Man, I was actually getting goosebumps while you're talking. I was like, you, you're the person. You and DJ are the kind of people that, as soon as you walk in a room, it just lights up my day. It's just <laughs> like. Uh, and like something funny's gonna happen, <laughs> and and it's not and it's not even gonna be it's not even gonna be on stage. Like, I, well, yeah, it's gonna happen. That sounded like an insult. Oh, so we're not funny on stage? What an ass! No, I, mean, I know like, what you mean. It's just like the yeah. regular conversations. But I remember when you said you were gonna be a father, and I was so yeah. excited, dude. You're gonna crush it as a father. You have nothing to worry about. You're gonna you're gonna be the greatest dad, and the problem that you're gonna have is is everybody's gonna want to hang out with you, and then Benji might be upset. <laughs> you know, he'd be like, oh, "Hey, you know," because that's what happened. My my daughter never got upset, but like, her friends would come over and they'd see a wrestling title, and they were huge wrestling right. fans, and then the direction would turn to you know like, hey i love wrestling want to talk about wrestling like, yeah you're here to visit my daughter <laughs> and uh yeah so it's yeah it's kind of cool like in your situation and and being funny and you can uh take that same laugh to keep from crying so you can take negative for your your son as he gets older and you turn it into a positive you can make a funny moment out of stuff that happens my daughter was getting uh, kind of bullied at her old school before we moved her out and uh you know i she had told me about this one girl and explained it to her and she goes but she'll come around and that's how my daughter was she thought she could just peel the layers off till she found a good person
0: well jd thank you so much for talking to me today i i love you to death buddy
1: love you too brother